I'm Fry. And I'm Brie, ranking all of the popes from Peter to Francis. And this is episode 114, Pope Boniface VI. Bon- what? You thought Boniface. it was going to be Stephen VI? I don't know any of these orders. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I think many of our listeners would be waiting for Stephen VI since we've just covered Formosus. Mm, but you, yeah. <laughs> because... It has been so terribly long since we've recorded. Um, I did not actually expect you to remember. No, I'm never going to remember. It has been four Four months. months. (laughs) Four months since we last recorded. So hello, everyone. We're actually back. And this is very exciting. Mm -hmm. But we're not back with Stephen VI. We are back with Pope Boniface VI. And even though you thought it was going to be Stephen, all will be explained, sort of. You see, we are starting to bump up against the period of Roman history that literally inspired the whole Dark Ages moniker by Cesare Baronius that all medievalists are required to fight across the entire medieval era. So prepare for things to get Shrouded in medievality. The Dark Ages. The Dark Ages. The original term for the Dark Ages is the Seculum Obscurum, first coined by Cesare Baronius. And this period of papal history in particular is why we have to deal with that stereotype all the time. And it kind of starts with Boniface. So here we go. Are you ready to talk about a pope for the first time in four months, Fry. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so Boniface was born in the year 806, and while most sources assume he was born in Rome, Bartolomeo Platina calls him a Tuscan. He was the son of Adrian, who was a bishop, and at some point he joined the church, and we know during his church career he served as a subdeacon and a priest. However, Boniface might have been a bad subdeacon and a bad priest, because for reasons that we're going to discuss later, there is a suggestion that he was actually deprived of his clerical orders. Like, twice. didn't get them or, like, got them taken away? Got them, had them taken away, had them reinstated, and had them taken away again. Amazing. Scandal points for this man. Right? So first, he was degraded as a subdeacon, and then he was once restored, and then he was later degraded when he was a priest as well. So there is almost no indication why, unfortunately, but there is one reference to him having, quote, shown himself so vicious. Shown himself so vicious. Vicious, yeah. We haven't had a vicious no. since Sericious. Sericious. That is that is our uh, tier, the bar. Yeah, there. That's that's the bar. So if he's yeah. is he that vicious, we'll find out. Well, we don't know. He's just so vicious. We don't have any actual context, but we will come back to this in a moment. So, despite this viciousness, when Pope Formosus died in eight ninety six. Boniface was elected to be the next pope at the age of 90. So 
Maybe he was just like the grumpiest old man ever. You know how old men can get really grumpy and vicious. Maybe that's all that was happening. We don't know. (laughs) Get off my lawn. But I want you to remember that he was 90 years old. Okay. Yeah, you know, he's probably trying to engage someone about something that happened in his 20s and they're like I wasn't alive (laughs) and he's like I hate you yeah kids these days yeah exactly or you know everything hurts and and kids annoy me with their incessant questions who knows both of those things what they want cost of living (laughs) so this election was not easy or stable because as soon as Pope Formosus was dead The ongoing conflict we've been dealing with between Arnulf, the recently coroneted Roman emperor, and Lambert, the son of the deposed emperor Guy, who, let's not forget, had been crowned by Formosus earlier on, starts to erupt all over again. And supporters of each faction are scrambling to gain control of Rome, and therefore the Papal States. So this leads to rioting and open conflict in the streets, like you do. You know, that doesn't happen nearly as much anymore. Not anymore, but it it definitely happens during this period and for the next many periods that we're going to be covering. So it's definitely a a like you do in, in the seculum obscurum of the papacy. You know... I know that my home insurance doesn't cover riots, so, like... (laughs) Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess you live close enough to Chicago that at some point you had to look that up, but... Oh, no, it was just when we were, when we went to go sign it, I was like, ah, that's... Because one is like, it doesn't cover nuclear disaster, and it doesn't cover civil unrest, which is riots. I yeah, okay, I mean... The world is a weird place sometimes. I wonder if in Rome, because we do know that they had a a relative system of fire insurance, maybe maybe they could get insurance for rioting because it was happening all the time. (laughs) Yeah. You'd think someone would want it. So Boniface appears to be the candidate brought forth by Arnulf's supporters, and his election was brought about hastily given that they still had the upper hand at the moment. Very temporarily, of course, despite what we mentioned in our last episode about Arnulf having a debilitating stroke. That hadn't really come into full effect yet, so they're still fighting very hard and have the upper hand. And so they're like, bam, Boniface, you're our guy, you're Pope. That's a, I, for someone who lost his clerical status twice, that seems like a strange choice. (laughs) It does. However... In another sort of why he's a strange choice, poor Pope Boniface also happened to have an extreme case of gout. Like you do. That is what people have back then. (laughs) For sure. And we've discussed gout in more detail in Pope Sicinius's episode, which is episode 89, because Sicinius had had such an extreme case of gout that he died after only three weeks as Pope. You remember that? I do. He had gout when they hired him. Exactly. And that's about to happen again, because after 15 days as Pope, Boniface died. I'm sorry. Why do they keep... I know he was 90, (laughs) but why do they keep being like, these gouty men, they are going to do a great job and they are going to last so long? Well, 
and it might be that they're not looking for the popes to last long because at this point, really, it does seem like they're looking for a placeholder. Let's get our man in power. And then when he dies, by that point, we'll have solidified a better grasp on power in the city and we could put somebody who we can use as a puppet in place. Not 15 days later, though, like... <laughs> not 15 days nothing later. Nothing has changed. Exactly. It's like, surprise, he's dead already. Oh, that's too bad. At least this is the official and most accepted story about how Boniface dies. There are some sources that suggest he was in fact murdered by the Spolatan party, which are the supporters of Egeltrude and Lambert. I do think that, like, I remember it's been four months, but I remember it's been like... Maybe they were murdered. Is this just a section where they're like, well, they could have died of natural causes, but also maybe they were murdered. Very much so. And that's going to be the case for a while. So, yes. Could he have been murdered for Lambert to put in his own pope? Yes. Is there any evidence that this happened? No. This man had gout, and he was also 90 years old. 90 and unhealthy. (laughs) Exactly. It could have absolutely just done him in. So, he was buried in the portico of St. Peter's, and his tomb was destroyed for new St. Peter's, but his epitaph has been preserved. Quote, These halls, which are full of magnificent sepulchres, received the body of the provident Boniface, Bishop of the Apostolic See. Here, the wise priest Boniface reigned for a short amount of time. He filled up 15 days here in the citadel, soon exchanging these heights of honor for a better place. He soars above the lofty pediments, climbing the utmost desired peaks, for he is enrolled among the nobles of the Apostolic Registry. It's a a pretty generous epitaph for a 15-day pope. Enrolled among the... Say that again. He is enrolled among the nobles of the apostolic registry. Yeah, okay. He is in... That's not even like he's listed with the choirs of angels or whatever that other phrase they say. That is like seven tiers lower. Yeah. (laughs) We put him on a list. Yes, but he's soaring the lofty pediments and climbing the utmost desired peaks. Like, for, for a man who potentially was deprived of his clerical orders twice and reigned for 15 days, it's, it's still pretty generous. It, it does feel a little boilerplate, but... It does feel like maybe someone wrote it and it was just like, whoever dies next gets this. <laughs> yeah, very much so. They weren't prepared for it to be him. They thought he would last at least a little bit longer. However, there is one more thing we need to talk about with Boniface, and this is this whole being deprived of his clerical orders before becoming Pope. Because the only reason that we know this about him is two years after he dies, Pope John IX convenes a synod in Rome that declared Boniface's election was invalid and his papacy was void, citing these deprivations as making him ineligible to have held the papacy. It seems a little petty for a man who ruled for 15 days and did nothing. It does. But you have to remember what's about to happen with our next Pope, Stephen VI. There is going to be a lot, there's going to be an entire pattern of popes invalidating the popes who came before them. For, like, a hundred years. So, man. Yeah. It gets really petty, but it gets really petty for far more extreme reasons than Boniface himself. Okay. 
So the canon of this synod reads, quote, Nor may anyone who has been degraded by a synod from any ecclesiastical rank and not canonically restored to it presume to advance higher as Boniface, who had been deprived first of the subdiaconate and afterwards the priesthood, was enabled to do by the aid of the arm of the people. Now this requires some consideration because we haven't exactly been in this situation before. We're going to be in this situation a lot, but we haven't thus far. We have had popes who have been elected and recognized who go down in history as anti-popes, like Constantine II, but even the condemned and excommunicated heretic pope, Pope Honorius, wasn't invalidated as pope altogether. So this is the first time through a posthumous synod that we're going to see a pope invalidated altogether that's ridiculous like you can just it is you can just change you just move forward and change the policy you don't go this pope doesn't count i feel like i'm gonna hear you say that oh so many times in the next couple of months um but however it's important to note that like many who will come after him boniface has never actually been stricken from the official list of popes. Even though there is this synod declaring him invalid, he is still in every source that lists the popes. He has a portrait at St. Paul's outside the walls, and he is featured in every edition of the Annuario Pontifico. Huh. There is also the fact that many historians argue that it's not explicitly clear that the Boniface mentioned in this synod was in fact the Pope Boniface, and could have just been another cleric within the church with a common name. Okay. And the actual declaration in this canon doesn't mention the papacy. It only refers to advancing higher, right? It doesn't say Boniface who took the priesthood after being degraded or anything like that. Mm-hmm. In the words of Horace K. Mann, quote, it would perhaps be bold to say that the third canon of the Council of John IX does not refer to the successor of Formosus, but it certainly may not, and several reasons make one hesitate to believe that it does. The Boniface of the canon is not styled as Pope, nor is he connected with the See of Rome by any title whatsoever. While there is no doubt that Boniface VI was recognized as Pope by his contemporaries, it would appear then that if the Boniface of the canon were the successor of Formosus, his name would have been qualified by some official edition or by some description connecting him with the See of Rome. So this whole thing about him being deprived of clerical orders might just be an equivocation of information that has fundamentally altered the legacy of Pope Boniface VI. Okay. Which, to be fair, without this addition, would be pretty much nothing at all. So at least it gives us something to talk about. Yeah, we've stretched this maybe past the 15-minute mark. We have! We have actually done it, and that. That's saying something for what I'm about to tell you when we rank this man. <laughs> so, let's do it. All right. Papatum infallium. Nothing. It's oh. a zero. Yeah, he, uh, he absolutely <laughs> did not do nothing. Okay. He didn't do a single thing. I mean, he had 15 days. He had gout for 15 days. He moved in. He got as comfortable as he could be with all his hearty joints. And then he just decided to die. Well, I assume there was, like, a chunk of stuff he had to do to take power. Yeah, 
yeah, there's there's the official ceremony, the consecration, and then he needed a nap for a long time. So and then he never woke. There's up. all of that. The end. Exactly. <laughs> so it's a zero. Fructus prohibits him. Now, if we believe that the synod records from Pope John the Ninth, he was quote vicious and deprived of his clerical orders twice, and that his election and papacy was posthumously ruled invalid. Pretty scandalous, if it's true. I mean, can we just give him, like, a one? Because cause it's, nothing happened, but someone wrote down that it happened. I mean, you could give him a one, but I think I have to give him a two just for being the first pope to be officially totally invalidated. Fair. So he'll get a three. But is he totally invalidated? He's on the list. He's got a picture. Like... But so is Formosus, and so is Stephen, and all of the popes who will follow who have similar rulings against him. He gets the point. No one actually gets invalidated. It's true. It's true. And they're going to, and yet. Very much the Catholic thing where it's like, you can't actually leave. Yeah. And they're going to argue about it for hundreds of years anyways. So, but he gets the point for just being the first one. So he'll get a three and fructus prohibitum. Seculari impactum. Again, nothing aside from maybe he was murdered for being on the wrong side of the conflict between Arnulf and Lambert. I think it has to be a zero. <sighs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he died of gout. Fossium sanctus. All right, are you ready for Facium sanctus? Does he look like he has gout? Well, I'd like you to remember that he is supposed to have gout and is a 90-year-old man, because this is not a 90-year-old man. That's like a baby. It's a baby. (laughs) Although, if that is a 90-year-old man, wow, 10 out of 10. (laughs) With gout, yeah. No, this right here that we're looking at, this man is not even like 25 years old. Yeah, he looks almost as young as our our hot pope, Caius. He doesn't have all the flair of Caius, but he looks that young. This is a baby. This is a child. (laughs) It's quite literally a child with a beard. So (laughs) as a 90-year-old man, it's it's pretty good. (laughs) You know what? Yeah, for a 90-year-old man, this, we need to know his secret. Maybe he didn't have gout at all, and whatever was keeping him immortal, he lost hold of. (laughs) (laughs) So so how do you want to rate this? Because I feel like he has a pleasing baby face. It is a nice (laughs) This is a nice baby face. (laughs) So he's going to score some points here. It's just how many? I'll give him a seven. Okay, I was thinking about a six, but I think I'm going to match your seven because... I want, to, I want to imagine that this is a 90-year-old man walking down the street, and everyone is just going to be so baffled by it. So <laughs> he will get a 14. This is a really hot 90-year-old man. <laughs> exactly. And so that is worth a 3.5 out of 5 for Facium Sanctus. I'm glad he got some points in this round because... Tempus Pontificus. He's not going to get any more. <laughs> Oh, oh no, because guess what? His papacy went from April 4th to April 19th, 896, which is 15 calendar days, as I said, and the shortest pope we have covered to date. This man has the second shortest papacy in history. Wow. Yeah, 
He beats our last shortest papacy that we covered, Sicinius with 21 days, who also died of gout. Mm -hmm. So his score in this category is a quarter of a year when we round up, giving him the lowest score he can get, which is a 0.0625. All right. Remind me with Sicinius. Um, Did Sicinius do anything in his third week? Like if... If our friend Boniface here had gotten an extra week, would he have done something? Yeah, so Sicinius only did one thing, and that was he initiated the efforts to restore the walls of Rome, oh, which then yeah. Pope Gregory II actually gets he went, most we of need the credit to fix for. These, and then died. Yeah. So that's so he did something. He said a sentence and he said, build those walls, and people went, yes. And so we gave him a couple points for declaring that the walls needed to be built. So he did do more than Boniface the Sixth. So if you hadn't if he had an extra week, he could have been like, oh, we need to fix a thing, but he didn't. Yeah. Could you imagine how different history would have been if he said, This this priest that we have under us, Stephen, maybe we should get him some help. <laughs> if that was the one thing he did. If that if he had one more week to look around and go, huh? Someone needs help. <laughs> that man is having a time and it's only going to get worse. Maybe we should do something about that. All right, everybody. It's the canon bonus round. Do, 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 do. I, under, I, I no. feel like <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is definitely a no. <laughs> he didn't have long enough to do anything to be saint worthy. Imagine if someone goes, like, back and starts, like, just posthumously canonizing all of these popes. <laughs> that does happen! I mean, he's probably on the register for when they start getting to the actual ninth century. That would be something. Mm-hmm. Hope is not lost, Boniface the Sixth. Maybe we can redeem you from this potential rumor about your clerical orders. Who knows? <laughs> so that brings us to his total score. Which is a, considering his episode, a very impressive. Is it like a four? Almost. He gets a 6.5625. Ooh. Those scandal points and the fact that he's a really hot 90-year-old that gets him through. Look, if we if we were supposed to judge him as like a 30-year-old man, uh, he's yeah. got a baby face, whatever. But as a 90-year-old, <laughs> Wow. Exactly. So it it helped him not be in last place because he is currently in 106th place. So that's something. Amazing. So now I must ask you a question that I have not asked you in a really long time, Fry. If he is papally enough and pizzazzy enough with an impact enough for a papal bull? I mean, why would you even ask that question? That's a no. It, it is a no. It is definitely a no, unless we want to talk about the immortality. I mean, if he had been a saint, he would definitely be the saint of skincare, right? Mm-hmm. So his skincare regimen is on point. Exactly. So at this point, you know, maybe we could talk about the immortal pope and that would be worth a papal bull. But no, it just isn't. And that brings us to the end of the very first episode that we have recorded since our hiatus. Mm -hmm. And it is a great time to say some thank yous. So first off... Oh, I bet we have so many. We do. We have a lot of wonderful patrons who joined up 
during our hiatus. And so we would like to thank and absolve of their temporal punishments, Heather Dankmere, Allison Wright, Cody Reynolds, Pontifan, <laughs> Erica, Dark Lady M, Phoenix, Lydia Melton, Elspeth Olson, Daniel Kaffenbarger, John Campbell, Robin Pearson. Hello, Talbean. Talbean. Yeah. John Bax, Ray McGlue, and Afropolian Blacksmith the First. That's a great name as well. <laughs> there are some good ones in there. You all have fabulous names. So thank you so much for supporting us and for seeing us through this hiatus period. Mm-hmm. Ego te absolvo. I would also like to thank all of the people who I have worked on collabs with in this time. So I'd like to thank James from The Other Half, Sarah from Rejects and Revolutionaries, Dr. Rutger Kramer, because we're going to be doing an episode on monasteries, Kyle and from Quest Friends and Robine from Totalis Rankium. That's coming out soon. And there might even be more. We might be doing a collab with We Effed Up coming out really soon, so... Thank you all for for keeping me engaged in the podcast world. And thank you all, all our listeners, for sticking with us and continuing to tell people about our show and listening to episodes and letting us know that you missed us. We missed you too. It's true. And with that, we can say thank you and goodbye. Bye. Pontifax is edited by Greg Gassman. You can find his show, Popular History, on all major podcatching platforms. And keep an eye out for his new show, Arexipod Ranking Cardinals, Cardinal Numbers. You can also reach Greg at popularhistory at gmail.com. Get it? It's popular, but with an E, for the Popes. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at pontifexpod at gmail.com. And we're pontifexpod on all social media platforms. If you'd like to support the show, consider subscribing to Pontifex on Patreon. Checking out our research wishlist at tinyurl.com slash pontifaxwishlist or making a one-time donation at paypal.me slash pontifaxpodcast. If you'd like to support us in other ways, rating and reviewing the show on iTunes makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm.